You are listening to Grab the Glory with Holly Smith, and my name is Holly Smith. Welcome! I'm so excited you're here. This is a production of Lion and Lamb Ministries. So if you're curious to learn more about us, go and visit our website, lionlandministries.com. It's linked down below. Okay, so today we are talking about a very exciting topic. How to know if you're a lukewarm Christian, and if you are, how do we fix that? Because we don't want to be lukewarm for the Lord. So let's get into it. Our first scripture that we're going to address is Revelations, or reference, I should say. Our first scripture is going to be in Revelations 3. Um, we're going to start in verse 15. This is Jesus talking to the church of this day. Okay, this is the last church he addressed in Revelations. He said, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, spiritually useless, and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth, rejecting you with disgust. Because you say I am rich and have prospered and grown wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked without hope and in great need, I counsel you to buy from me gold that has been heated red hot and refined by fire so that you may become truly rich and white clothes representing righteousness to clothe yourself so that the shame of your nakedness will not be seen and healing salve to put on your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I rebuke and discipline, showing them their faults and instructing them. So be enthusiastic and repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior, and seek God's will. Behold, I stand at the door of the church and continually knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, restore him, and he with me. He who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, I will grant to him the privilege to sit beside me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down beside my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear and heed what the Spirit says to the churches. So right here, he's talking about it, right? He says, if you are not on fire for me, then I'm going to have to spit you out of my mouth. Because if you're cold, you're not for me at all, right? So that's irrelevant. But I wish that you would, I'd rather you just be cold because then I could get to you, right? Then I could turn you hot. But because you've been hot and now you've cooled down and now you're lukewarm, you're not doing anything for the kingdom of God. You're not helping me run the church. You're not helping me grow the church and get souls saved and get them to heaven. And because you're not somebody I can use because you don't care enough, you don't care enough to inconvenience yourself, Right? I'm going to have to spit you out. You're not really a true Christian. And that's what it's saying here. And so I don't want that to happen to anybody. So let's keep reading and find out more about what the scripture says about it before we really get into how we can fix it. Because we need to identify, is this us? Is this me? Am I who Jesus is talking about here? Because I will admit 100% that there has been a time I've read this and gone, well, uh, I remember being hot, but I, I don't remember the last time I felt like truly on fire for God. I mean, a great worship song, maybe, but did it last throughout the week? I mean, did I change what I was doing in my life? Did I give up something for the Lord this week? Um, and the, the gospel is not just about sacrifice, but it's important to remember that if we aren't sacrificing anything and our life looks exactly the same as our um, non-believing neighbor next to us, then maybe there's some things we need to change. So let's keep looking. We're going to go to Mark 4. Uh, Mark 4 is a great passage of scripture because Jesus is talking about when the sower sows the word, 
um, what is the word landing on? So um, that's what I'm doing to you today. I'm sowing the word of God in you. So you're hearing the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. So we're sowing the word. And here's the three options of what will happen. So he says, the sower soweth the word. And these are they... Um, by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. Okay, so we want to be the good ground. We want to be the ground that produces more fruit. Okay, we want to be... We want to constantly be producing for the Lord. We want to constantly be showing the Lord that we have gotten this, that we understand what he's telling us and that we're doing it. We're acting on it. So the last passage we're going to look at before we really get into this is Matthew 25. Jesus is talking again. These are red words here. Um, And he says, and this is a parable that he's saying, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto 10 virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that went were they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye neither know the day nor the hour where the Son of Man comes. Okay, so these are are the passages we're going to get started with. Let me just break this down. So the first passage, God, Jesus is talking to the church of today. The church of today has grown cooler than it should be, right? The church of the Acts church, they were on fire. They were speaking in tongues in public. They were getting 3,000 people saved in one day, right? They were just constantly reproducing. They were constantly growing their churches by hundreds and thousands. And, and those are the numbers we should still see today. The harvest is ripe, guys. It's ripe. And so if our churches aren't growing by that number, in fact, if they're not growing at all, something is wrong, These churches that we have, they're supposed to be constantly growing. So if you're going to a church that isn't growing and hasn't grown in a long time, really take a step back and seek the Lord on that because that could be part of the problem leading you into lukewarmness is you have a leader who's lukewarm. So make sure you find the right shepherd of of you. And, And maybe you've been called to be a shepherd of sheep. Who knows? So seek the Lord on that if that's something that you're noticing right away. Um, so he's saying, you're neither hot nor cold. You like me on Sundays, but on Mondays, you're going to cuss. You like me on Sundays. You'll show up on Sunday morning. I may even get a Wednesday night out of you, 
but I'm not gonna see you in every moment of your day. You're not gonna pray to me every single day. And if you pray to me, you're not gonna sit and let me talk back to you. You're just gonna say what you think needs to be said and get up and go about your day. Well, that can only help you so much because Jesus doesn't just want to hear from you. He wants to talk back to you. He wants to have a relationship, a fellowship with you. We're going to spend eternity together. He'd like to start that now. And so the Bible says what's sown, what you, what's bound on earth is bound in heaven. And so if we bind a good relationship here on earth with Jesus, we get that in heaven. But you know what? If we don't, we, we don't have the guarantee of making heaven. And so I want to be clear that this is an important thing to grasp. Um, Matthew 25 is, is talking about the rapture of the church. So what's going to happen, and, and we will have a teaching soon about that. I'm really excited. The Bible is very clear about what's going to happen in these last days, and we're in them. We are living in them. If you are alive today, you will either witness the rapture of the church or be taken up in the rapture of the church. And I want you to be the second one. Okay, so what it's saying here is that of the the 10 people, let's say there's 10 Christians, half of them were ready, half of them were wise, half of them were walking with the Lord, and half of them weren't. They knew they were supposed to go. They're like, yeah, I love God. I can't wait till he takes us. Until then, we're just going to suffer. That's not God. That's not his way. That's not how Jesus wants you to live. So just keep that in mind. A lukewarm Christian is someone who who hears the word, who really, you know, maybe even gets super pumped up on Sundays. You get into praise and worship. You love God. I'm not saying you don't love God, but I'm saying that throughout your week, God doesn't change your week because you're supposed to see fruit. So let's, let's get into that. The fig tree is something that, that Jesus talked about a lot in Mark 11 and, and the fig tree represents a Christian. Okay. In this scenario. So, so he was walking with his disciples into town. He was going to go preach at the synagogue and he saw he was hungry. The word says he was hungry. He saw a fig tree with some leaves on it. Now, the thing you have to know about fig trees is this, that they will, when they're producing figs, the fig leaves will come out around the figs. So if they're not producing figs, they're not supposed to have the leaves around the figs, right? They're not supposed to have any leaves on it. And so it was out of season, um, for this fig tree. And so he was like, well, that looks like a fig tree that has leaves on it. So I'm going to go eat from that fig tree. He walks over to the tree. He sees that it has leaves. It looks like it's going to produce a fig. It looks like it's got all the pieces in place. And yet there's no fruit there. There's no fruit on that fig tree. And he cursed it. And he said, never again will you produce fruit. And the next day they walked by and it had withered up from the roots. Well, it takes a long time for a tree to wither up from the roots, okay? That's not an overnight process. So that was supernatural in and of itself. But what you have to realize is the fig tree represents us. We could look like a Christian. We could have the right cross tattoos or necklaces. We could have the right Bible verse on our Instagram bio. We could even wear all the t-shirts. We can have the Bibles and the books. We can do all those things, but if we don't use them, if we don't live them, if we don't lay down our life, and pick up our cross and follow Jesus, we're doing something wrong. Okay, so if that's you, I have really good news for you. This is not the end. The rapture has not happened as of right this moment. And so you need to know that there's still time. 
So the first thing you need to do is just repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. Set me on fire for you again, and I promise I'll never let it be quenched. In Jesus' name, amen. So you pray that prayer. You say, God, I I repent. Spirit of lukewarm Christianity, you leave me now in Jesus' name. And when you say those things, when you pray that prayer with a fervent heart, God can change you. God can use you. And so if you're still sitting here unsure, like, well, maybe I might be, let's keep looking into it. Let's see how we can get better. Let's see what a Christian's supposed to look like. Because I guarantee you that what God is asking from you is far more than Sundays and Wednesdays and 15 minutes in the morning. He's asking for more. He's asking for so much more. And you know, when you give him more, when you give him everything, he can give you everything. So when we're not receiving everything we want to receive from the Lord, we have to first ask ourselves, are we giving God everything he's asked of us? Okay, so we're going to go to the solution to this problem because I know that we've had some poor leaders in this country. We've had some poor leaders in in this church age, and so we need to correct it. There is revival in this nation. There's revival on this earth already. The latter rains have begun. The last days are here. Hallelujah. And so we are getting into it. We're here. Be a part of it. Be on the ground floor of this revival that's going to shake the nations, that's going to make the whole world look at Christians and go, their God has blessed them. That's what the Bible prophesies about our generation. And so right now, if everyone's not looking at your life and saying God has blessed them, then we haven't done enough yet. And we need to keep walking because we need to be able to see fruit from what we're doing. So so let's keep going. We're going to go to Luke 14. Luke 14 in the Amplified, and it says this. Um, This is Jesus talking, okay? He's talking to people who want to follow him, who want to do the right thing. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, in the sense of indifference to or relative disregard for them in comparison with his attitude toward God, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow after me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you, when he wants to build a watchtower for his guards, does not first sit and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to finish it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is unable to finish the building, all who see it will begin to ridicule it saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one who is coming against him with 20,000? Or else, if he feels he is not powerful enough, while the other king is still a far distance away, he sends an envoy and asks for terms of peace. So then none of you can be my disciple who does not carefully consider the cost and then for my sake, give up all his possessions. Therefore, salt is good, but if salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? It isn't fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear and heed my words. The Bible also says somewhere that we're um, the salt of the earth. It says we're a light set on a hill. And if you've ever had a really strong bite of salt or you've seen a really bright light, you know those things are overwhelming. They're overpowering. They're intoxicating. I mean, when you taste, when you get a pretzel at the mall and have a really strong bite of that kosher salt, you're like, whew, that's salty. 
And when you wake up in the morning and the lights turn on and they're so bright, you're like, whoo, right? You notice it. You pay attention to it. It interrupts your day. And if we as believers and as Christians walking this road are not interrupting people's day with our saltiness and our light, then we are not doing enough, church. We're not doing enough. See, he's asked us here. He said, if you don't hate your father and your mother and your brother and sister and your spouse and your child compared to your love with me is what he means. So there's a biblical order to love. God is a God of order. He has set order for everything. Okay, and I can give you so many examples. You can look on the earth. You can look at the animal kingdom or the rings of trees. You can see God has has an order for things. He doesn't create anything without order. And our love has no difference. It bears no difference. We have an order in love. You are first to love God above all else. The love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Then you love your spouse. Then you love your children. That is the order. And then... You love your parents if you're married, okay? A man is supposed to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And and the same is true for the wives. You're supposed to leave your father and mother and cleave to your husband. Because that's what we're called to do. You're one flesh. You can't love somebody more than you love your own flesh, right? And yet we're supposed to love God more than our flesh. We're supposed to love God not loving our own lives unto death. We're supposed to serve Christ. So that's why... God can be above our spouse because our spouse is one flesh. They're the same with us. And so they're supposed to be loving God more than you, just like you're supposed to be loving God more than them. That doesn't mean you don't love them a lot. Okay. It just means that at the end of the day, if you had to pick, you pick God. Okay. And the same is true for our children. The same is true for our parents. The same is true for our friends and our family, anybody in your life on the earth. You need to love God the most. And if you cannot say that, then that person has not been, has become an idol over God, because anything that comes over God in your life is an idol. And you can read the Old Testament to see what God feels about idols. Uh, Jeremiah is a great place to start. Okay, so so that being said, that's a really strong terminology. That's really strong for Jesus to say. Jesus didn't pull any punches. He wasn't kidding around. He was like, if you want to walk this walk, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to get taken up in the rapture, if you want divine healing and life and prosperity and abundance in every area, if you want to win souls for the kingdom of God, this is no joke. This is no joke. So if you're sitting here thinking, yeah, I'm a Christian. I was raised in one a Christian home. You know, my parents are even pastors. Who knows, right? Who knows? what your story is. I don't know what your story is, but God does. And I'm telling you right now, if I am not defining you word for word from this word, from these texts, if this is not defining your spirit, defining your soul, defining the acts of your body, what you're doing, then we have to adjust because the word of God has to come above American culture. It has to come above worldly culture in general. Okay. It has to be all or nothing. God is a Middle Eastern God. Middle Eastern people, their culture was shaped from the intensity with which God calls us to. He calls us to divine intensity because he's divinely, intensely in love with us. Because you know why you're supposed to love him more than your children? Because I know that's a a sticking point for a lot of mothers and fathers. Because he loved you more than his son in that moment when he sacrificed his son. He sacrificed his son for his love for you and he's asking for the same thing back. Is he actually asking you to sacrifice your son or daughter? No, please don't hear that. No, 
He's, he's not asking you for that. He's just asking you to put him above your love for them, which means if they want a treat or they want something, and he said, you got to be a disciplined parent. You can't do that. You got to spend time in the word. You have to say no to playing with them right now. You do that. You say no to your child to say yes to God. And God's not going to put you in a position where you're harming your child in any way, shape, or form. So be led by the Spirit, but be remember that God has to come first in your life. Okay, we're going to go to the next, the next passage. We're going to Luke 11. Luke 11, uh, verses 33 through 36. This is, um, <clears throat> is Jesus' words in the King James Version. No man, when he hath lit a candle, put it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body is also full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If thy whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. What he's saying here is that you cannot decide, I love God, but I also really love Jersey Shore. He's saying, I love God, but I also really love wine. (laughs) He's saying, I love God, but you can't say with it, I also love scary movies and I like those. And I'm going to choose to watch those over over something I could be doing that that would honor the Lord. Because I'm telling you right now, I don't mean to be kicking over sacred cows here, but I do because it's not honoring and not loving to you if I don't tell you the truth. God doesn't want you to do those things because they don't honor him. They don't bring light into your life. Going and clubbing in a dark room is not bringing honor to God. God operates in the light. He's not a God of darkness. The devil operates in darkness because it's the only place he can get away with all the nasty, evil things he's doing. I'm not calling you nasty and evil. I know you're not because you're sitting here listening to this. I'm not preaching at the, I'm preaching at the choir here, right? You want to get this right. That's why you came this far. So say no to everything the world says is okay. And you're going to be started doing the right thing. But don't use the world as your barometer. Use the word of God. The word of God says, don't be enticed with strong drink. Don't look at it in the glass and think it's so marvelous and beautiful because that last sip will bite you like the venom of a viper. Don't do it. Stay away from it. Yeah, but Pastor Holly, Jesus drank wine. I know. I know he did. But I'm saying to you, what if you gave it up for the Lord and you let him decide if it's something that should be back in your life or not? Okay? Because I'm going to tell you, the holiest people I've ever met, they don't drink. The holiest people on God's green earth do not drink, but Jesus drank. I know Jesus drank. I know he did. But I'm telling you that for this day and age, where we're at right now, our call to look different than the world, the world's drinking. So look different. Choose differently and let the Lord guide you on this. Because if this is something you're holding on to and saying, I love God, but I really like edibles. I love God, but I really love liquor. Your butt is going to get in the way. Get your butt out of the way and say, I love God, period. And I'm going to do what this word says. I'm going to consecrate myself to this word. Everything this word says to do, I'm going to do it. 
I'm going to read it with the Holy Spirit and I'm going to do it. And you know what? It's going to change your life. And what God's going to be able to do is clean you out. The word cleans you. And so when he cleans you out, you're going to lose the desire for all those things. You'll be really surprised, I promise, in a very good way. But give God a chance. Give him your all because that's what he's asking for. Okay, so how then do we get all of this accomplished? How do we, you're like, okay, I get it. I'm putting down the world. I'm getting in the word. I'm going to change my life for Jesus because he gave his life for me. So I'm going to give my life to him. That's what he's asking from us. How do we do that? Let's get into it. Let's go to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 is the answer because I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I need a call to action here. How can people change? What are the steps to take? And he said, I already wrote it down. It's in Ephesians 6. So let's, let's read it. Um, we're going to read it and then I'm going to break down each and every part of it and tell you what it means. Okay. And how you, how it applies to you. Cause I know that just hearing it may sound like, okay, but what do I do? <laughs> so stay tuned. <laughs> Uh, verse 11 of chapter six in Ephesians, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt up out with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you can you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, where watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. All right. Here's the deal, guys. God has called us to do a big thing here. And he's laid it all out for us in Ephesians 6. So we don't have to guess. We know. What he's saying is, we're going to start at the beginning. I'm going to go all the way down it. So have your loins girt about with truth. Define truth. Let's define it what the Bible says. Jesus told us, in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So your very first step is knowing I need to walk with Jesus. When your loins, excuse me, your loins gird about, that's the most inner part of you. I mean, Jesus comes to live inside you when you accept him as your Lord and Savior and you proclaim it with your mouth. You believe it in your heart. Jesus comes to live on the inside of you. So keep him with you. Be aware of his presence. Talk to him. I promise you, if you say, hey, Jesus, you'll hear him say, hey, Holly, or whatever your name is, right? He loves you. He wants to talk to you. I promise, I promise, I promise. You have a God you can talk to. You can talk to the Holy Spirit. You can talk to Jesus. You can talk to God. But he's saying here, I'm the truth. So talk to me. I'm Jesus. Say, hey, Jesus, pause. Sit in your spirit, rest. You will hear him say your name. You'll hear him talk to you. Start a conversation. Say, I want to get to know you. I want to talk to you more. Talk to me more. I promise I will listen. Teach me how to have a relationship with you. Teach me how to have not just a relationship, but a fellowship. Did you know the Lord Jesus is funny? Do you know he's still talking today? Do you know he's still giving instruction today? How do you think I got this message? I didn't come up with this myself. This isn't a Pastor Holly message. This is a God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit message. 
This is written by God, not me. And that's why it's effective. And that's why it can prick your heart and change you forever. Because I didn't do this. I didn't write the word of God. Neither did Paul. The Holy Spirit divinely inspired every word in this book. Okay? So, first step, talk to Jesus. Have Jesus inside you. Be aware of Jesus. Love Jesus. Pray to Jesus. Talk to him. Be his friend. He loves you. He died for you. He will talk to you. I promise. Okay. The second thing is this. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. The amplified version of the Bible describes righteousness as right standing with God. And it's true. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Because Jesus paid the penalty of sin and death for us. We now get to live for him. But while he did that, he stood in our place. He poured his blood out on the holiest of holies. Um, and he took his place next to God. And what he did was he said, God, I missed you. I missed you, Dad. I'm so happy I'm home. I did all this. And now all of these children, all of my children are in right standing with you. And God says, yes, they are. Because the penalty has been paid. God is not sitting there mad at you. Don't sit there and think you don't know what I've done. I don't care. And neither does God. We don't care what you've done. God doesn't care what you've done. He cares that you repent. When I was walking this walk in preparation to be a minister of the gospel, I faced a lot of, of demons, like a lot of, a lot of things in my head, a lot of things from my past that I said, God, how could you possibly use me? How do I win in this situation when I feel like I'm failing? He said, you know how you win every single day? And this was Jesus talking to me. I said, how? And he said, you repent. Repent every single day. Mean it. And don't go out tomorrow and do the exact same thing. Learn from it and don't do it again. Okay? Don't think, oh my goodness, I cussed again. And I've been working on that. And I repented yesterday. I'm out of time. No. No. You have grace. But don't don't curse And don't do things with the expectation of, I have grace. Do things, try your best not to. Do earnestly, earnestly contend for the things of this, of this word. Earnestly contend to be, to be the highest carrier of holiness here on the earth. Earnestly contend for the highest gifts. That's what Paul teaches us in the God, in the, in the New Testament. Okay. We're supposed to do that. And so when we do that, we're repenting. We repent and we say, God, I am trying as hard as I can. Give me your strength. Give me your power. Give me your wisdom. Stay in this word and keep going. Get up and do it again. You win every single day that you repent. He does not care that you beat yourself up. In fact, he doesn't like it because when you beat yourself up, what you're saying is what you did, Jesus, on that cross, what you did with those three days in hell, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to pay for this sin. This sin's too bad. You missed it. I need to keep beating myself about it. What? Who does that help? It does not help. I got excited. It does not help anybody. Okay? So so have righteousness consciousness. God does not want you to have sin consciousness. The church has been amazing at producing sin consciousness. How many of you know we all sin? How many of you know that we all failed this week? We all failed the Lord. We all break his heart every day. No, I don't. I don't break the Lord's heart every day. In fact, I make him proud every day because I earnestly contend to be as holy as I can be. I earnestly contend to win souls and save lives out of hell. I earnestly contend to get people away from the grip of the devil and into the kingdom of light. I earnestly contend for that. 
And you can contend for that whether you're a minister of the gospel or not. You have people around you. You have friends and family. You go to work. You go to school. You have people. Oh, Pastor Holly, you don't know me. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Me too. I'm still doing it. Ask God who's in your life that you can touch. Ask him how you can help change lives and save souls because he has a plan for you that's big and beautiful and bold. It requires boldness. Okay, so that's righteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God when you're in Christ Jesus. And it's also having righteousness consciousness, realizing I've repented, which means immediately I am in right standing with God. God sees me the same as he sees a brand new baby fresh out of the womb. Do you think your brand new baby fresh out of the womb hurt God's feelings in some way, offended God? No, he loves that baby. The minute you repent, you're as clean as that baby is. That's what he's told us. So and, and that's what his word says. So just believe him. <laughs> he's, at, he's just asking for you to believe him. Okay? He is that good. There is no such thing as too good to be true. If you f- hear something from me, hear something from this word, and you think that's too good to be true, that means it's God. Everything good is God. He has no bad. If you hear anything bad, it's from the devil. Everything good is from God. Okay? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for being so good. Okay, the next one is preparation of the gospel of peace. Shod, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And, and this means be abandoned to self. Be willing to leave everything behind. If God called you tomorrow to go to Mozambique, if he called you tomorrow to go to Europe, if he called you tomorrow to go to Spain, if he called you tomorrow, Spain's in Europe, but you guys know what I mean. Be abandoned to self. The first thing when we started walking with the Lord, my husband and I really truly, I mean, we've been Christians for decades, but when we got the hold of this truth and this revelation, right, that God wanted more out of us than Sunday and Wednesdays, um, when we got this revelation, we said, God, we're all in. Here's our unconditional yes. What do you want us to do next? Where do you need us to go? And very soon after that, we, we felt called in our spirit to move to Jacksonville, Florida, well, at the time, we lived um, in North Dallas, Texas, and we we loved it. We were planning to move to a different area because we wanted to be closer to our friends, and um, it just wasn't what the Lord had for us. And so we did exactly what he told us to do. We didn't realize it at the time. I mean, we were such baby Christians. We didn't even know what we were doing. We didn't know that we were activating that principle in Ephesians 6.15, having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We didn't know that, but we had such peace about what Jesus was calling us to do that we did it. We didn't know what was coming there, but we knew that we would do what God called us to do. And so that's what it's saying. In the Bible, there's the rich young ruler and he goes up to Jesus and he says, what can I do? I, what can I do to get this kingdom? What can I do to get and get with you? Because I love you. And he's, he's, he told him all the things. He said, I already do all that. And he said, well, this one thing you lack, sell all you have and give to the poor. Why? Not because everyone has to sell all they have and give to the poor, but because this man in particular held his riches as his his pure treasure and as his truth and as his safety. And Jesus knew this about him. And he said, to be able to follow me completely, that can't be an idol in your life. You got to let it go. And this man walked away and Jesus led him. Guys, I have some news for you and this isn't going to be comfortable. This isn't American Christianity. But Jesus watched him walk away. That's what the word says. He watched him walk away. He didn't say, wait, no, 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 come back, come back, come back, come back. No. We've got pastors in today's churches that will go after the lost to the point that they will sacrifice the saved. We have pastors, and and not the lost that are out there that need to be brought in. No. I'm talking about the ones that show up to church every couple months, 
who are down and out, who have heard the word, who have been given chance after chance after chance, and the pastors are still just chasing them down, getting them out of trouble, doing what they need to do. And they're ignoring the people who show up to church every single Sunday and do their job to the point that people think, wow, I guess I've got to act up for my pastor to pay attention to me, for my shepherd to, sh- to, to help me be a sheep. That's not what we're supposed to do. As ministers of the gospel and as leaders and as shepherds of sheep, it's not what we're called to do. We are actually called to say, walk away then. If you don't want this, walk away. I'm not chasing after you because you've been presented with the gospel and you're only guaranteed to be presented with the gospel one time. Jesus told me uh, when he commissioned me to go into the ministry, he said, tell everyone you know, tell everyone you talk to that any time they hear the gospel could be the very last time because I am coming and I am coming soon. We're out of time. I don't want you to have your oil, oil lamp empty. Okay, so don't be like the rich young ruler. Don't hold anything back from the Lord. And I know there might be something pricking your heart that you're thinking of like, but he can't ask me for that. (laughs) That is exactly what he's asking you to lay down. Yeah, that's the one he's asking for because he needs you to lay down everything. Surrender everything to him. When you surrender every part of your life to God, he can use you. Hallelujah. And so when you see someone being powerfully used by God, They've surrendered it all, okay? So that's the next thing. Um, and that's that's the preparation of the gospel piece. If God calls you to move, you move. You don't say, I've got to bury my father. You don't say, I don't want to sell all my riches. You just move, okay? Um, <laughs> you don't say, God, I was planning to move to Nashville, not Jacksonville. You you just go to Jacksonville and you, you do what the Lord's asked you to do. It'll bless you, okay? Um, the next thing it says is, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Don't be, I don't want you to be um, unaware. You will see things in your life, in the natural, that will look as though that's not what God had for me. Because there's a there's an obstacle, there's a barrier. There's something the devil put in my way. There's something circumstance has put in my way. There's something that looks hard or scary. And and now I can't go do what God's called me to do. No. That's when you use faith. (laughs) That's when you use your faith and you put it up as a shield and say, I don't care what it looks like. And I want you to think of your your faith. um, Think of it as a faith force field, not just a shield. Because a shield, you can only go one way. Think of it as a faith force field. It goes all the way up and around you. Faith will protect you on every side if you use your faith in every area. So use your faith in every area. There's lots of teaching on faith. Um, Hebrews 11 is a great chapter. It's the hall of fame of faith. In faith, Abraham, not considering his own body practically dead, not considering Sarah's womb, gone and dead and cobwebs in it. He didn't consider any of that. By faith, God said, you're going to have a son. He said, okay. And you know what? Isaac exists. Israel exists. We're all here. Because Abraham said, okay, he's the father of our faith. When in doubt, look to Abraham. Abraham left his father's house. He went wandering in the wilderness with no idea where to go. He believed some insanely big promises with no evidence that they would come to pass. In fact, a lot of evidence in the natural to the contrary. And yet that's exactly what he did. He believed God despite all the evidence to the contrary. And yet he said, I'm going to do it anyway. I promise you God has given me some very big promises that they don't look like they can come to pass in the natural but I'm not moved by that. 
The Bible says, don't be moved by what you see or what you feel. Be moved by the word of God. Be moved by the voice of God and not by anything else. Okay. So, so that's what he's asking us here for. Faith is that's not in the word of God. That doesn't line up with the word of God. Therefore, that is not what's happening. You see a sickness, you see a disease that does not, I didn't see that cancer coming on my daughter and the word of God, which means it's not happening. In fact, I saw divine life and divine health in this book. So that's what's happening. And you pray healing over her, pray healing over him, and it will come to pass. You pray in faith, you get your prayers answered every time. Okay. So the next thing it says is, and take the helmet of salvation. Okay. Helmet of salvation. Confess Jesus is Lord and live for him every day. If you believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead because he died on the cross, he rose from the dead three days later, he paid the penalty for sin and death for all of us to come back to heaven with him and live forever in eternity and glorious glory and bliss with God our Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you believe that happened, then you say in your heart, Jesus is real. Jesus is Lord. You say, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And don't deny him in front of your fellow man. Because Jesus says, those who deny me in front of their fellow man, I will deny before my Father in heaven. You can't be ashamed of this. What we're talking about here, you can't be apologetic about it. You can't say, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm a really crazy Christian. (gasps) That's not going to work. You have to say, you're wrong, I'm right. And you don't say it that way, right? But you live your life that way. You live your life unapologetically for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will never put you to shame. You will never be put to shame, the word says, when you live for the Lord. You step out on faith. You step out on the word of God. You step out on what God's calling you to do, and he will bless you. Not only that, but you will start being able to see pieces put in front of you as you keep walking. You're not going to walk out into nothing. You're going to have it ready because you operate in your faith every single day. You operate in this word every single day. So you're ready ahead of time. So you know what's going to happen ahead of time. I have years and decades ahead of my life planned out from the Lord that he's downloaded into my spirit and my soul that I know ahead of time. Why? Because I've been walking with him for a long time because we've been doing this. He has been working with my husband and I for um, the better part of two years doing this. He spent two years preparing us to be ministers of the gospel. So this is a big deal. God will prepare you ahead of time for things. So you don't, you don't think this life of faith is constantly stepping out into this unknown realm of darkness and I hope I don't fall 20 feet down to my death. Nope, that's not faith. When you use your faith all the time and consistently, it's going to go from feeling like that to actually your faith built your life. Your faith, God established you because you used your faith in him and you kept walking in the direction he told you to walk regardless of what the world said, regardless of what your aunt said, regardless of what your mom said. Regardless of what anyone told you, you kept following God's word and not theirs. Your life is going to look so glorious and so beautiful that you will not have a minute to question him because you'll just know him because you'll talk to him every day. Doesn't this sound better than what you've been doing? It's when someone told me this, I was like, that sounds far better than what I've been doing. We shouldn't just be praying for miracles. We shouldn't need them. We should not need a miracle for healing. We should just be walking in healing. We shouldn't need a miracle for finance. We should just be walking in divine finance because we're constant tithers and sowers and givers because we're constant speakers of the word of God. We constantly speak health over our body. We constantly keep all the doors of darkness closed in our life because we just walk in holiness. And that in and of itself protects us. 
the people of Israel, they walked out of Egypt with all the riches of Egypt, and there was not one feeble one among them, not of old, not of young. They walked through the wilderness for 40 years. Their shoes did not wear out, and there was not one feeble one among them. That's divine health. It's in the Bible. Okay? I'm not speaking blasphemy here. This is the word of God. It's in here. Open it and read it for yourself. I implore you, don't let religion shape your view of God. Don't let your parents shape your view of God. Don't let your spouse shape your view of God because God comes above all of them. You shape your view of God with this word. Let this word shape your view of God because this is God's living word. It's living and breathing and alive. And you open it up and it will change your life forever. Read it with the Holy Spirit and it will change your life forever. How do I read it with the Holy Spirit? You say, Holy Spirit, fill me up. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And now reveal this word to me, please, in Jesus' name. And the Holy Spirit will not tell you no. Anyone who asks, anyone who knocks, the door will be opened to them. Anyone who asks, they will be given. You have not because you ask not. So just dig in. God will provide. He'll answer. Um, But he requires us to seek him too. He's not just a constant chaser of us. He needs us to turn and chase him. Not chase him, but he needs us to turn and ask for him too. Invite him in. Okay? Um, all right. So you're con- when you invite him into your heart, that's what you're doing. So just continue to do that in your walk with him. Because there's more to the kingdom. There's more to a Christian life than salvation. And that's why a lot of people get confused. Because they think that all there is is salvation. All there is is, yeah, I get to go to heaven. And I'm just going to suffer till I get there. And that's not true. What I'm telling you is the kingdom of God. What the Lord is revealing to you through this video and through this message is that there's more. There's power. There's abundance. There's life here. You don't have to look like the world. In fact, God told you not to. Trust in him. Walk with him. Run with him. He will not let you down. Okay? Okay, finally, we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which we kind of already covered. The word of God is what's going to change you. You're saying, I, maybe you've met me before. Maybe you know me personally. Maybe you knew me a few years ago. Maybe you haven't seen me in a while. Maybe you've met me before. Anyone who's met me before would know that this is not what I used to be like. This isn't what I used to act like. This isn't how I used to speak. This isn't how I used to live my life. Um, I was very much a lukewarm Christian. I went to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and I loved God, but I didn't know how to do anything more. And I remember reading that word in Revelations. If you're a lukewarm Christian, I'll spit you out of my mouth. If you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out. And I sat there thinking to God and I was like, I don't want to be lukewarm, Lord. And I remember this prayer I prayed. I said, Lord, set me on fire for you again. I remember that fire I had when I was, when I was 16 and my, my friends, they were pastor's daughters and and they were like, um, they just constantly sought after me. They, they really did real life high school evangelism. And they helped reach me in a place that I was very dark and very confused and very scared. And they helped to reach me. And, and I was on fire after that. I was so grateful to be out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his marvelous light. I was so grateful that God was real and that God loved me and that I didn't have to live fearful of, of eternity. Okay, there, when you get saved, when you get saved so radically, you're so grateful you get to go to heaven. You're so grateful there's eternity and that there's goodness in life and that you don't have to live scared and broken and hurt. 
but I'm telling you that it's not just for eternity, it's for now. On earth as it is in heaven is what the Lord's Prayer says. God means what he says. Jesus means what he says. Live on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, you have mansions. My father's house of many trailer parks. My father's house of many apartments. My father's house of many mansions is what it says. Not not four bedroom, three bath houses in suburbia. Those are great. I'm happy you have them. But it's a starting point. It's not the rest of your life. Keep walking. Because when we don't walk forward, we get dragged backwards. That's how this works. There's only good and evil. And God will give you a choice the devil doesn't want to. And so when you say, God, I've walked as far as I know to walk with you. And the devil will say, well, I got something for you. And he'll try to pull you back. And what you'll find yourself is you're you're cooler. You have gone backwards somehow and you don't know how. It's because no one told you the next steps. And I'm telling you the next steps. The next steps is to, to, to get in the word of God. And to not listen to anyone that tells you that you got to be sick, you got to be broke, you got to be depressed, you got to be miserable. How many of you need a touch from God every single Sunday? No, you should not be like that. You should walk into church already filled up with God. You should walk into church ready to fill someone else's cup who's not where you're at yet. You should walk into church as a pep rally for the Lord. Let the armies of God be heard. Churches are supposed to be big. Mega churches are supposed to exist. The church grew to 3,000 in one day in the Acts chapter 2. Okay, God likes big churches. He likes noise. Heaven is noisy. The Bible says hell is silent. Heaven is noisy. It's loud. And so if you like your church of 100 or 70 people, I appreciate that. I understand where you're at. I liked small churches for a very long time until I learned that's not what God has asked for us. And God has a plan for small churches, for them to grow to big churches. We should all be the armies of God. And armies are large. Battalions are big. They're mighty in number. We should be mighty in number. And we should all be feeling and thinking the same thing, which is God is good. Jesus is good. We're healed. We're whole. We're set free. We're delivered. And we're abundant and prosperous. And we're out to save more souls and get them to the same place we're at. That's what the Acts Church was doing. And that's why they grew so quickly, because they had the full gospel. They had the full kingdom of God. Jesus had told them specifically all the things I'm telling you. And so we're called to do the same. We're called to heal people, deliver people, set people free from demons and oppression. We're called to live abundantly. Jesus had a ship that housed at least 13 people. That's not a canoe. That's not just a little rinky-dink boat. That's a, it, that's a ship. It's a big boat. Okay, that's a modern day, I don't know, private aircraft. Oh, I don't like those prosperity preachers. Have you ever listened to them? Have you ever sat down and listened to them? Because I did one day. I said, I'm going to prove this guy wrong because I am tired of seeing your face. It's kind of weird. Okay. So I'm going to prove this guy wrong today. And before the sermon was over, I forgot that I had sat down to prove him wrong because everything he was saying was in the word of God. So if you sat down today to prove me wrong and watch this, and you probably realized you can't because I'm not telling you anything that's not in the word of God. Okay, God really does want you blessed, I promise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So if, if that was your thinking, just say, Lord, I, I renounce all this spirit of religion, all these lies, and I, I ask you to please reveal every single one of them to me so that I can always walk in the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. And then you get in the word of God, and through the word, he will take those shackles of religion off. He breaks every chain. 
The armies of God are rising up and every chain is broken. That song's prophetic. We're in the latter days. We're in the latter reigns of the Holy Spirit. What you're about to see is people moving in such prosperity, such abundance, such health, such life, that the Christians are going to be the coolest people on earth. Jesus was cool. Jesus was radical. People who were rebels loved Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, you are going to have to be a rebel to the culture of today if you're going to live this way. You're going to have to become a rebel to current Christian culture. And before long, all these rebels, we will take over and we will be Christian culture. But until then, be willing to be a rebel for Jesus because he was a rebel for you. Okay? Um, Finally, and the last thing is this, pray in tongues, pray in the spirit. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. That means in tongues. Okay? Um, And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So you pray in the spirit and you pray with direction. Holy Spirit, what are we praying for? Paul says, I pray in the spirit with my mouth and I also pray in my head because I don't know what the spirit's saying. So one, pray for revelation of what the Holy Spirit's praying out. Excuse me. And two, pray that you understand or pray that, pray that you know where you're praying to because God will give you prayer assignments. So start speaking in, if you, if you don't know this right now, go back to our previous videos, watch our speaking in tongues video. Um, but if you need to know right now, say, Holy Spirit, fill me up. I want to speak in the spirit. I want to have that, that utterance. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's someone there's someone with cancer in their kidneys the lord's healing you right now in jesus name hallelujah congratulations he calls you healed there's someone with a a brain tumor there's someone with a brain tumor and it's getting dissolved right now. The next PET scan you go into the door, the next, the next scan you see, it's not going to be there in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit doesn't take over, over your mouth. You yield to it. But what happened just now, and I believe the Holy Spirit, first of all, those people are healed. Hallelujah. There's probably more than just two that have been healed because the Holy Spirit is here. This anointing is here. And even though you're not sitting in front of me, you're sitting in front of your computer or your phone or your TV. What's happening is you're hearing it. The anointing is in your home. The anointing is in your car. The anointing is with you. And so whatever you need healing from, just reach out and grab it. Say, I need healing for this and I believe for it. And I claim it in Jesus' name. This anointing is so heavy. There's a healing anointing on today and on this message because God wants you healed and he wants you set free and he wants you delivered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if that was you, leave us a comment. Text us. Let us know. Comment and tell us. Write into our ministry at lionlandministries.com. And if you have a prayer request, comment it. Put it in our prayer requests on the website, lionlandministries.com. So that's all we have for today. If you have questions about what we what we talked about, leave it in the comments. Let us know what your what your question is. 
I am so excited. The Lord is moving. Hallelujah. That was awesome. Hallelujah. The Lord's moving. We're in the latter rains. Be a part of this. Hook in. Say, God, I give you everything and don't look back. Because Lot's wife, she looked back longingly at her life. And she was turned to a pillar of salt. You want to be the salt of the earth. You don't want to be a pillar of salt. Don't get left behind in the rapture. Don't be the five without their oil and their lamps. Don't look back longingly. Look so excitedly ahead that you can't look back if you wanted to. In Jesus' name, I pray for you. I bless you in Jesus' name, Father. I pray this word has pricked hearts and changed lives forever and forevermore. And I pray that they reach out to our ministry and let us know that they were changed because of this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you want to learn more about us, if you want to know what other ministers of the gospel to watch, because I know we don't have very many videos yet. We're just getting started. Go to lionlandministries.com and click on the link. It's in all caps. It says binge Jesus. There you'll find a list of YouTube channels with ministers of the gospel who preach the same thing I'm preaching to you today. We preach no differently because it's just the word of God. So, so go to lionlandministries.com, click on binge Jesus. Okay, and you're going to find links and links and links to YouTube channels. Pick the one the Holy Spirit's leading you to. Pick the one God's leading you to and start watching. Watch a lot of them. Get invested in this because the kingdom is here. Hallelujah. God bless you, and we'll see you next time. My name's Holly Smith, and you've been listening to Grab the Glory. Bye-bye.